Otherwise, I'm going to do this. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. With the Bruce, the Yang, and Captain Socks. Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? I'm back for Bruce. George, unfortunately, is not with us. He's off playing Frozen Land in Wyoming. <laughs> Fro- playing Frozen Land. That, that's a new one. Yep. yep. So it's just Socks and I this weekend. We are going to be covering a full fortnight of news. Uh, first and foremost, we want to thank Valhalla Hobby for sponsoring this episode. Valhalla Hobby have been supporting us for quite some time at this point. Uh, they've been wonderful sponsors. They have incredible prices. You can check them out at ValhallaHobby.com. If you use the code TABLED at checkout, you'll get 5% off your first order over $100. Thank you very much. Let's get on with the episode, starting with... Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. All right, news. Lots of news. Yeah, it's been, it's been a pretty decent fortnight. And I'm going to start off with arguably the most recent piece of news that's on the list. Um, so, the guys at Firelock Fire Games, Games have a new game that they will be doing in the spring. So this is coming up shortly for you guys, right? Yes, because you're approaching yeah. spring now. Um, yeah. It's called Port Royal. Um, in the description, basically it's talking about how this used to be a a richest and wickedest city on earth. So it was back in the pirate days, it's it's very clearly one of the giant pirate areas that was really really powerful and has kind of fallen in the wayside and become ruins. It very much feels like this is supposed to be a Mordheim skirmish type game, but set in the pirate world. This is yep. going to be loosely based on historical events which is probably important to remember because everything else from the um, Blood and Plunder line has been specifically historical. So this is kind of like loosely. that's They're allowing themselves some room to play around here a little bit. Um, yep. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. So we still have all of the factions that we have. Um it talks about how an earthquake devastated islands of Jamaica, so that kind of gives us the idea of where this is supposed to be. We still have pirates, privateers, Native Americans, African maroons, uh, and local government forces. So it's all the same sort of people that's there in the other games. So I imagine that you could probably extend this out to your Spanish main and all of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes. I quite like the imagery we've got. Apparently, this is a custom table that they had professionally made for them for this scenario. Um, they've already created a group on Facebook. There's a link there that you can click on if you want to join it. I have joined it uh, just because I'm interested to see whether this will go. I made a smart remark on our Discord yesterday, day before, about how, oh, my poor wallet. And um, Michelle took me being dead serious and having no self-control. And apparently having already decided on buying a game that I basically know nothing about at this stage. (laughs) I was being facetious, but I can understand why he got confused. Uh, But no, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. 
Um, we also have, and I've just realised that there's backwards. I was going to say, you did something backwards to Bruce. <laughs> we have the the first ship. article was about a Spanish ship. Yep. <laughs> so the Barco Luengo. Lo, uh, so this is a pre-order. This is going to be a plastic resin hull. Uh, it comes with wooden dowels for your masts. comes with five yards of elastic spring for your rigging. Laser cut wooden rigging parts. Six cannons, six swivel guns, and other accessories in resin. So the only thing this does not come with is flags and sails, which is actually fairly normal for these sort of ships uh, because they just won't survive shipping generally. Uh, and most people prefer to make their own anyway. But you can see there with an example of what it would look like yep. with um, with the sails on them. Sails on. And they give you a preview of how the, the ship actually works in game. So apparently we've got a top speed of four inches. Wind trail of negative two, um, four degree turn. Anyway, you can see it there on screen as to how that's going to go. I actually really like the look of this, honestly. I kind of yeah. wish I had a, um, I wish I had an unpainted example of this as well, just so that we can get an idea of, because plastic resin can mean so many different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume this is probably going to be a rustic type thing, but I've got no way of knowing because plastic resin is just such a generic term. I'm not really. Yeah. I'm not having a go. It's just I kind of wish I could see more detail. I guess we'll, as time passes, we'll start to see more of what this is. Yep. In time. No, but it looks like a nice little Spanish ship for blood and plunder, blood and plunder, to be used in. In a smaller ship game, and plunder. I actually start building it because the ship that comes in, the ships that come in that are so pretty, uh, and it's still sitting in there in, in the box out in the garage. But Lord knows, Shame I on have you. a lot of things to play. I know. I'm Me. sorry. Hello, Shay. Thanks for jumping in. All right, moving on with some huge news. Um. To say this is the biggest news that's come out of Simon for a long time is, I don't think, an understatement. Simon uh, have officially left Kickstarter, but not in the way that most people are assuming that I'm going to go into nope. this. Because they're no, still going to go for get crowdfunding. Yeah, and this is not me having a go at them either. I'm just like because that's normally where my mouth goes when it comes to Simon. I want to make it clear that's not what I'm talking about. So, yes, they have signed an exclusive deal to now run on GameFound as opposed to Kickstarter. Um, I imagine that there's been a very significant deal made in this. Simon are a very large company when it comes to Kickstarter and have been for a very long time. Uh, GameFound is apparently Polish. I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, basically, the owner of... Or sorry, the founder of... Game found uh, actually has reached out to Polygon with this news. He's unable to dis- to disclose the terms of the agreement, probably for good reason. Because if the public found out what is the deal that Simon have gotten, they are going to be trying to push to get that for themselves as well. Despite the fact that most people wouldn't be large enough to justify what I'm sure Simon has gotten. I mean, let's not make no mistake here. Simon have gone to GameFound because it's going to have saved them a lot of money. Like, there's no question about that at all. Um, 
And yeah. I imagine that Kickstarter is going to be very upset about this. Um, Kickstarter's kind of had a couple of kicks in the teeth recently with some stories yeah. and not all of it within their control, but very clearly the fact that crowdfunding is starting to split off into different areas is starting to hurt the original at this point. Um, Simon are starting to, so not Simon, Kickstarter are starting to feel a couple of couple of kicks in the gut. It's going to be interesting to to see. I don't think it's as bad for Kickstarter as everybody's going on about. This one is going to hurt though, because this has been yeah. one. Like Simon notoriously do very well almost every time they're on Kickstarter. They, to date, regardless of whether the, I'm not going to sit here and say everything they've delivered is good. But they have never failed to deliver, and they've been on Kickstarter for twelve years. It, it's and we've run sixty campaigns. Yeah, sixty campaigns, earning on average more than one point nine million for each one. Yep. So they that's... are huge. I mean, there is a reason why I have said for a very long time why I feel, at least for their successful properties, they should be moving away from crowdfunding because I feel that it's inappropriate at that point. But yeah, when you've made over 108 million on Kickstarter projects over 12 years, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Through Kickstarter. Kickstarter's having a few issues as well because although Kickstarter Kickstarter do give some support in regards to like if if you see something that's dodgy, they will look into it and take it down. In regards to IP and stuff, they're very, very careful about that sort of thing. Um, though I, I have seen an example where they didn't. Um, but when it comes to Kickstarter, scammers are still there and scammers are still getting away with stuff more frequently than I would like, unfortunately. Because there's a pretty well-established pattern of how they can get away with things at this point. And we have commented on a few of those things in the past of just enough updates to look like it's still going. Oh, we're having an issue with a delay and another delay. And then, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. We've gone under. Uh, I'm very much oversimplifying there, but it, it is a thing that happens, unfortunately. Which mm-hmm. isn't to say that all delays are bad. Delays happen in Kickstarter anyway, and that's part of the problem. Yep. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. From a Simon point of view, this is only ever going to be a good thing. Um, GameFound at this particular point has a very good reputation and is growing. Um, and it has the the ability of the splitting up of the payments if you can't afford everything all at once, which is a good thing when it comes to wanting to tempt people into large um, pledges. Uh, but a bad thing for competitors, uh, for customers, because they may get themselves into more debt than they probably should be. It, it is speaking of speaking of large pledges. Yep. Looking over the list list here, their largest campaign was Marvel's uh, Zombicide. Oh yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Over nine million. And With just under 30,000 backers. Yep. And that was two years ago. That was the one that had the giant undead um, giant man 
or no, not Giant Man. Who was it? It was um, Galactus that ended up cost. Yeah. The, the one that people were upset about postage because it was a giant piece of a miniature that cost a lot to ship because it was a giant piece of a miniature. Um, but yeah, I, I still argue that that shouldn't have been on Kickstarter, but that's just my opinion. Uh, if it wasn't on Kickstarter, that miniature would never have been made. I, I think that's a yeah. pretty safe for some pretty safe thing to say. But let's move on to another Kickstarter Speak- campaign. Speaking of Kickstarter, speaking of people that are on Kickstarter, well, not as much as Epic Simon, but they are there regularly. So, Mantic yeah. Games, people will may remember us discussing this about six to seven months ago. Uh, Mantic Games had been working on an epic scale version of Warpath, which is their mass sci-fi battle game. Um, And they had been working on it at an epic scale. And they'd been working on it for quite some time. And then Games Workshop announced that they were bringing back their version of Epic, which name escapes me right now. And they were like, well, we've been really excited about this, but we don't know if it's still worth doing. And basically, they put it out to there to the community. They released a survey asking for people to give their honest opinion. I did not comment on the survey because, although I would have been in support of them still doing this, I knew it wasn't a game that I was going to buy. So I was like, no, I'm not going to touch it because I don't want to sway opinion. Um, and of course, now that this is live, all of the commenters have been out there going on about how they're just copying Games Workshop, which is 100% not what they've done. Uh, but it's just the accusation that Manta gets so frequently. Yeah. Sometimes it's well, fair. It, In this case, it's definitely not. It's It's interesting how the industry is going right now because... For a long time, 28, 32 mil was, has been the standard. I mean, 15 mil was kind of the standard. And now we're, a lot of companies are starting to go into the epic scale. Uh, Warlord Games is doing Napoleonics and American Civil War from 28 mil into the epic 10 mil scale. Yeah. I mean, there's our, been a uh, scale War has been happening in both directions for a little while. Quite a long time ago, before I was really in the hobby, varying scales were much more common because smaller miniatures meant that you could have a larger game um, on the table where you can't you can't really do a Napoleonics game, for example, at twenty eight mil. No, not and you'll not, do not represent a, the battle anyway. You'll do a very small portion of that battle. Yep. Now with the epic, epic skill. You can get a twelve-foot board table and do Waterloo or Gettysburg, for example. Yeah. With the, the size that the pieces are these days at ten mil, fifteen mil. So. And, and with digital sculpting specifically, you can actually get a lot more detail into these miniatures now than you could back in the eighties and the early nineties. Absolutely. When these scales were more pop- popular. Absolutely. Um, again, this is looking at twelve mil scale, which. May as well be 9 mil. I don't know why they've gone 12, but anyway. They are starting with the Enforcers, the Plague, Forge Fathers, and the Asterians. They, they're just starting there at this stage. They have confirmed that others will be coming. Um, but the other thing that they are doing is the rule book is going to be printed in German, Spanish, Italian, and French, as well as English, obviously. Um 
they're really going in on this. I mean, they did get, obviously, a very positive feedback when they were like, we don't know if this is worth it or not. Um, yeah. But this this has gone really well. Uh, everything appears to be in hard plastic. The 89-pound pledge is for two hard plastic core armies, which is apparently 310 miniatures. It's absolutely insane. I mean, the miniatures are... That so is a lot of minis for... Yeah. And that's not a bad price for that many minis either. No, not at all. It's a, it's a really good price. I mean, even the Captain Pledge, 149 pounds, is you could pretty much get all four factions, and it's over 620 miniatures. So yeah. for you, 60, 60 pounds more... Friends, that's the way to go. Yeah. 60 pounds more, and you can get all the, the other two factions. And so you split that, what, uh, say 60 pounds, 60, 65 pounds... Yeah, something like that. Something like that. They also have depending on what you want to add on to. The high command is four hundred and seventy-five pounds, which is a lot more. Uh, but this is your core armies plus the same in reinforcements, uh, plus the same in super heavies. Still comes with the rule book and everything, and all of the multi-part building sprues. Uh, we have yeah. seen previews of these buildings. They do look really, really nice. Um. Obviously, we haven't seen them in person, but we can see the previews here of what they're going to look like. And then there's also, like, your smaller... Your Sergeant Pledge is just your core that you can then build from, which is... What was it? 59 pounds. I think, realistically, I think the Lieutenant Pledge and the Captain Pledge is your value for money here. I agree. Um, Which is not to say that the building packs and that aren't worth it, but I think from an affordability point of view, that that's that's your hot ticket. Um, because you can always use... I know that some people don't like using buildings that are the wrong scale and stuff. But you can always use other things for terrain until you get something else. Uh, and you can always purchase into these sort of things later if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, of the factions... If- I, I've always liked the look of the plague personally. I was gonna, I was gonna say, I think you say that just because of the, they're, I think of them like a scourge from Drop Zone, Drop Fleet. <laughs> yeah, except they've been around longer. Oh, actually, no, True. because Zone was around first. Um, yeah, it reminds me more of the. Uh, I'm just gonna like that. There is like a plague type thing that's in in the Halo games, and that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Um, so we start with your enforcers. They are the, the equivalent of space marines. The flood, according to flood. Shay. Thank you. Uh, plague again is like so. It's um like this is an infestation that kind of takes over and like that you become like zombie type things. And there's different levels to how far through the infestation you are. Yeah. There's some like the aberration is arguably one of the, my favorite miniatures that Mantic have ever done. Um, yeah, it does at look least nice. in the large scale. I can't comment on the small stuff because we haven't seen them in person yet. The Plague Colossus looks really cool, and I'm yeah. pretty sure that's completely new. The Forge Fathers are your space dwarves, and before anybody starts saying no, these are not copying what Games Workshop did last year. 
They've been doing the Forge Fathers for quite some time. Um, obviously, it's still inspired by Space Dwarves, which were a thing a long time ago, but Mantic brought them back first. Um, we were talking a little bit more about this later, but there's been a few evidence things recently of Games Workshop paying a lot more attention to the indies than they want people to believe they are. Yeah. Uh, the Asterians are your space elves, and you'll kind of notice that a lot of the space elf stuff is like robots and stuff, and I think that's because because they're fragile and there's not a lot of them. They don't do a lot of their fighting themselves. They're very much an advanced civilization type thing. I, I love the look of their reinforcements, the little samurai-style reinforcements, the Mastodon, the Spectra. Yeah. Blade the Ma- Master. The Mastodon is... Oh, I think the Mas- the Matsudan is Matsudan, sorry. Yep. The Blade Master is really nice too. But yeah. Tank wise. Well, you forgot the other faction. There's four factions and you skipped the f- you, we don't skipped over the enforcers. Or did you talk about the enforcers? No, I talked about the enforcers first. Okay. I must have been looking at all the minis. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. Uh, their prediction for delivery is March next year, which is a pretty quick turnaround, honestly. They have yeah. been working on this for quite some time, though, so I would imagine that a lot of the headway's already been done. Like There is a lot, not all, but there is a lot of the sculpting that's clearly already been done because we have the examples here, which isn't to say that they won't continue tweaking things. But yeah. they've clearly done a lot of their headway. There is still stuff that's yet to be revealed. Whether that means that they are not sculpted or not is another. Because you will see that some of them are day 7 reveal, day 11 reveal, so on and so forth. So a lot of this has already been sculpted. Yep. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. It does seem to be going very well so far. Like, they've got 153,000 currently pledged and they only had a thirty thousand god dollar goal. Now yes, obviously. Yeah. And if they get to two hundred Yep. Yep. And if they get to two hundred and fifty, the first unlock is a new uh faction, Stretchical. The yep. Vermin. So the Vermin are definitely what I would be interested in if I was going to play one of their games, because I do I do like the Ratman type idea. I believe the way that they intend to do this is that the delivery of the added factions will happen later because they don't want to delay the entire project. Production. Um, But they, unless they've changed the wording on that, but that is what they said quite a few months ago when they were talking about, okay, yes, people have said they want it. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to deliver it. And I think that's a much smarter way of doing business um, because it prevents problems. Yeah. Oh, Alessio Cavatore worked on the rules for this. I should have known that, but for some reason that just surprised me. I mean, even the high command pledge isn't that bad, especially if if you can get three of your other friends. Because it's just over 125 pounds. I'd say under 125 pounds each. And, and, and you get all the reinforcements and the STLs. It's literally everything you will ever want for the game. Uh, yeah, you gives you reinforcements, your heavies. The, the rule book you'll have to get separately. I mean, or if, if there's a digital, because there's only going to be one 
rule book, but you'll get all your tokens, your dice, the yeah. buildings, you'll get your reinforcements and your super heavies. And, and like you said, some of those super heavies look awesome, especially that plague one. You can also add in, where's the add-ons? I'm pretty sure the rule book is in the add-ons somewhere. You might be right. As it, You might be able to do that as a add-on when you uh, do your uh, plague manager. Yep. Just add on a couple more books. I think that'd be the way to go. Um, but in saying that, a lot of people, when they're when everybody's getting in on the one game, quite frequently you will have like one person is the person that's learning how to roll the learn the rules and will teach everybody else. Yeah. Um, and if you were going in with three friends to buy this between you, sharing a rule book is probably not the biggest of concerns. But again, I would be extremely surprised if you can't add this as a pledge anyway. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, there you go. It's a twenty pound add-on. So, oh yeah, for more yeah. rules and tokens. So, and then you probably also probably the dice. yeah. I was gonna say add on the dice too. So, yeah, not bad between you and three others. Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely the way to go. It's gonna be interesting and to if- see where this goes. Um, like this is like epic is a scale that certain people are really into. Um, this one's not for me, but I'm still excited to see where it goes. Uh, much like what I was saying with the new version of Epic Warhammer, it wasn't a game for me, but I was excited to see where it goes uh, because it's 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 a game style that people have wanted to come back for a long time. Yep, and it's really something that makes sense for a company like Mantic too because they are a company that's able to focus on more niche games a little bit more than somebody like Games Workshop can. Yeah. Because a company like Games Workshop have to have things doing hundreds of thousands of dollars, otherwise it's not really worth their attention. Um, as cynical as that sounds, but it's kind of how business works sometimes. Yep. All right. I want Black Side Studios. Black Side Studios. Yep. So we have kind of hinted about this coming a couple of times. It is actually live now. So Night Thirst is a game. Ooh, it didn't load properly for me. Uh, this is a game that's written by Whittle Goblin. Uh, if you're not a follower of Whittle Goblin, uh, she's a tabletop and video game um, like Twitch streamer, and she has a YouTube channel and so forth. Honestly, well worth a follow. I, I do enjoy her content. Um, Night Thirst is a battle royale game about vampires and sucking blood. So vampires have corrupted civilization and gotten governments to agree to allow this sport, basically. They have turned sucking blood of their victims into a sport so that the different houses can compete with each other about who can get the most blood in one night. Um, the game takes place at night and the end of the game is sunrise, basically, which I just I find hilarious. So this is another one of their backroom events that they've been that they do. So this is their version of Kickstarter. It is not Kickstarter. It is a pre-order pre-order thing that they do, and then unlocks will happen as different things are unlocked. Uh, in this particular case, they are doing unlocks according to how many of the rule books have been sold, which at this stage is 110. Uh, this is miniatures ag- agnostic, but they do have a line of miniatures that are going with this. You can get the book only for 30 bucks, which is 
about where you would expect the price to be. Uh, this is a soft back rulebook, uh, as opposed to the, they have been doing a few hardbacks recently. Uh, but this one is going to be soft back. It's going to be over 85 pages. When you pledge or when you pre-order, you will immediately receive a copy of the beta version of the rules as a PDF. Once the rules are completed in full, you will get a final version of the rulebook before it goes to the printers. Just explaining Not that bad. carefully so that people understand what's going on. So yes, it's immediate access to the beta. You do get a final version of the rules at a later stage. Um, you also, so there's three different pledges. The a little bit more comes with cards and some tokens. And that's basically 50 bucks. It's 47.99. And the tier two comes with all of your miniatures as well. For 150, it's honestly fairly. It's not bad. It's good value. Yeah. Personally, I think the tier one is is the high value here, largely because people are going to have miniatures that they could use with this already, most likely. If they don't, and they really want these miniatures, obviously, the 150 dollar pledge is still a decent one, and it's still very good value. Um. But especially for those of us internationally, the book only and the tier one is going to be where where your value is. Mm-hmm. In my personal case, I have a whole heap of vampires from Carnivale that I could use. Like I've got three boxes of Carnivale stuff that I could just throw into this really easily. Yeah. Um, there's like a limited edition thing, which is a Witties bundle, which has a version of the rule book with a special alternate cover. And this is another one of these things where it's like it's only 25 copies. So it's they're building into the price of this with the fact that it's an exclusive. Oh, and it looks like it's already sold out. Oh, no. It just doesn't work if you click on the wrong thing. So... You get the cards, you get the tokens, you get the exclusive version of the rules, plus all of the miniatures in an extra miniature, well, sorry, an extra uh, resin statue. It's not actually, I mean, it is a miniature, but it's not. It's just a figure, yeah. basically. Uh, which is, th- there was another one that they did of Witty's. This is her... Um, Valentine's Goblin. Well, yes. It, it's um her little avatar icon thing that gets used in all of her um that there's artwork that's done for it t-shirts that's done for it and it's just it's just a physical version of that basically um which is it's it's fun i think the others are the better value because it's not there's nothing limited about the others uh Mm -hmm. but because there's only 25 of this version available there's obviously some extra cost in there uh, digital bundle is where I'm likely going to be at this stage, just purely from a postage point of view. I, I want to buy the physical version of the rulebook, but it's actually going to cost me more in postage to get it than it will to buy the rulebook. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that my redirection is going to make it better. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'm still looking into that. I'm 
very, very excited for this. Uh, I have been for quite some time. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and Black Sight Studios have a pretty decent reputation now as far as the quality of the game Game design. they're putting out. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you don't live in the United States and any of their games are of interest to you, look into poster redirection services. You will save yourself a lot of money. Have a look at our YouTube channel. I have a video going through and explaining how they work. There's links to some of the ones that I know of. There are others that you can find out there. Um, there's nothing in the video that well, I have nothing in regards to referrals or anything. It, it's all just information. I literally saved myself hundreds of dollars doing this. In one case, I saved myself about $400 on one item only because it was a very large item. So look into that if you're international because shipping international from Black Sight Studios is not very cheap and it's not something that they can really do anything about. It's just one of those things, unfortunately. Moving on. Oh, actually, any of the miniatures jump out at you? Uh, not so much. I'm not a big vampire horror mm-hmm. person myself, so not, I not like so much. The fact that they're like they're touching on all of the different types of vampires, so we kind of like we we have the like the prowler is very much like your Nosferatu type thing. Uh, like you've got your posh people and the noble, and but then you've got like yeah. the noble t- newly turned looking more desperate, the partier kind of feeling like it's straight out of blade um the ancient one and the thrall being like almost half monstrous type looking things i, I like yeah. the fact that there's different styles um the party are very much feeling like it's straight out of something it, it actually looks a bit like witty but i don't know if that's actually deliberate or not i assume it is but Moving on. I thought I saw a card uh, in pictures. Uh, yeah, if you look at the look at the top and the tier one, the part of your stat card almost looks like her face from. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it looks like it's. It actually looks like it's been styled after Witty. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Who's, who's this? Who's this? Games Workshop company. Oh, they've been around for know. a little while now. I'd a little some... while. Yeah. So we've had some new Crew reveals, so obviously I need to talk about them. Uh, we have the Crew Hounds, which was revealed last week, um, which happened the day after we recorded. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. It happens all the time. Um, so the Loyal Hounds, we've already seen one of these. Well, actually, we've seen two of them. We saw a, like a puppy uh, in the preview of the Big Army box set. Uh, and we had one of these that came in the kill team last year. I really like these. Like they they're varied. They don't just look like two different things. I, I suspect that this is going to be a fairly fairly limited sprue, uh, but I, I like what I'm seeing. And there's not much to it, but that doesn't need to be. A little bit of a tease as to some of the rules as well, which I'll just show on screen. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead to the other crew reveal just very quickly before I talk about the last thing, which is another shaper. So we've already seen a couple of shapers in the 
preview of the large army box. This one is the Trail Shaper, which basically looks like a more modern version of the original Shaper. Um, and it, again, looks really nice. I really like it. I like the new chunk of meat. And I, I was like going to say... They've painted what looks like an Imperial tattoo on it. Yeah. <laughs> that is painted, though. That's definitely not part of the sculpt. I really like what they've done there. Uh, and again, a little bit of teasing with some rules. Um, so there's this crit ambush and trail finding. There's been people that's been asking, trying to figure out if this is going to include other parts of the tower as well. I would be very surprised if it does, because if it was going to include more parts and not just the crew, then they would be talking about it in articles that's all about all of the army rather than just a crew article. Um, but we don't know anything yet because the rules are not out yet. So yeah, people can answer questions that don't have answers yet. But... We have... So this isn't... This is news. But people are going to look at this and go, I don't understand why you're discussing this. So, on Warhammer Plus last week, they started doing some playthroughs and games of Full Tilt. Which is a game I spoke about about 12 months ago as something I wanted to actually... Because it sounds really fun. It's basically a jousting game. Uh, and the idea was is that you could take your knights from your Bretonian army or whatever fantasy army you want, I suppose, um, and throw them into this game, and like, it's a bunch of knights that are jousting. And that's all it ever was. And it's still all it, all it is. Uh, but they've actually updated the rules a little bit to modernise it a little bit. It was a very simple game that originally came for free in an, in an episode of White Dwarf. Sorry, in an issue of White Dwarf uh, that you can still find online. But the reason I'm mentioning this is because everybody always wants to go on about how everybody else is trying to apparently copy Games Workshop, which is a fair comment, but at the same time is not um, because a lot of companies are just running their own race and so on and so forth and miniatures... Like, there's only so much you can really do. But this is a pure example of Games Workshop paying attention to what TT Combat are doing. Because what did TT Combat have on Kickstarter two weeks ago? Half Tilt, which was yeah. their version of this. With now, halflings. It, it, with halflings, they've redone it to be like a full, proper game rather than this kind of like just miniature little tease that was done. Um, now you can download a new version of these rules. They have released them officially. Um, and it's it's a decent-sized rulebook. This is just like a pure example of... like th This is news because Games Workshop very, very rarely show evidence that they do this. Now, they haven't mentioned that that's why they've done this, because of course they haven't. But the fact that this came out the week after that Kickstarter campaign is no accident. Mm -hmm. I can't help but wonder if the big wigs at Games Workshop have connected the dots on this one. 
because I wouldn't be entirely surprised if the Warhammer community team did this, seeing that and go, oh, oh, we should redo that and put it out there to remind people, because it's another way that people they can get people into Old World, right? And they just, oh, we should do this because it was something that was really good for the original fantasy battle, and it won't actually cost us anything. That's a great idea. I, in my head, that's how that conversation went, where they've recommended it to the big wigs that they've gotten permission without the big wigs ever realizing why it's been suggested. I could be way off, way way off on that. It's just in my head, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah, it's interesting. This is still a game I want to play at some point. I still have knights to use on this somewhere. Um, this is another one of those projects that I kind of like, oh, I got really excited about, started building stuff, and then they sat on a shelf for six months. Which is so unlike me. Speaking of TG yep. Combat, though. Yes. We have quite a few things, actually. We're starting with the Mascarare, or at least that's how I'm going to say it, Mascarari? Anyway, yeah. it's clearly masquerade type people. This is the folks that make all of the masks that everybody wears. So this is going to be part of the gifted faction. Uh, and they're basically being fleshed out to become their own entity, essentially. I kind of like the idea of a group of folks that make all of the masks for everybody. That's kind of fun. Yes, Shay, drop mask commanders. You're absolutely right. Drop mask commanders. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to drop is we finally have a we finally have evidence that they're going to do a fantasy version of drop. Yep, definitely. If we say that enough times, maybe Louis will actually get an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really like that idea, a fantasy version of drop. You'd have to change the rules a lot though, probably. Yes, you would have to change the rules. Quite a bit. Anyways. Uh, next up, we have a number of different uh, Rumble Slam factions. So the Pretty Fight Menagerie is a new... Uh, this is a new one for the Rolling Bones. Wait, is it Rolling Bones? What's the 7 logo? I'm sure it's Rolling Bones. Yes. Um, this one has like a Minotaur, a Berserker, a Goatman... I don't know what to describe that, but he's wearing a wolf pelt. He just seems to be a drunk. And is it just me, or is he drinking something and it's falling through his face? I think he's drinking him. so much that it's just spilling beyond him. His mouth can't uh, yep, drink no, it all, right. all once. If you go, If you go across to the right, you can actually see how it's happening. Yep. Uh, and then, hang on. What's the last one? Oh, we, we've also got a... Um, is it a satyr? Satyr. Yep. I really like this team. It, it kind of... I don't know. It, it gives me Narnia vibes, but maybe that's just because there's a satyr in it. Um, yeah. I mean, you don't really have berserkers in Narnia, but like you do have the minotaurs, and it's, it's a mixture of fantasy stuff, which is why my mind goes there. Um, yeah. Like, really? really like this it's fun i like the fact that they're giving them um like sports guernseys that's fun 
don't think any of these guys are based on wrestlers that I'm aware of. The Berserker might be based on somebody uh, called Sarah Logan, potentially. But she doesn't really look like that. So it might just be based on her gimmick, perhaps. And moving on, we also have the Wrathmonger, which is just a giant, demonic-looking creature that's also for Rumble Slam. Um, it just looks terrifying in the best way. Yeah. It's like a cross between a demon and a satyr. Because it's got like, it's got like the the weird legs, but then it's got like a demon upper half of its body, but then it's got yeah. antlers as well. The face almost reminds, or the head almost reminds me of, uh, oh, what's the big huge, um, god in Thor Ragnarok? Oh, the the one that's um destroying. Trying to yeah, Asgard, destroying yeah. Asgard. I know who you're talking about, but I don't remember what it's called. Uh, you might be on the money there, honestly. Hmm. Um, That's just what it reminds me of. Yeah, no, I can see that. And last but not least, we have Grunt Orkel, which is certainly not meant to be Urkel. Definitely not. I don't even know why no. you would suggest that sucks. It just nope. happens to be... A very nerdy-looking person with a name that sounds very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of a giant nerd orc. Like, this is just hilarious. Yes. And I love the fact that it's a giant, muscly nerd. Uh, nothing about this makes any sense, and I think that's why I love this so much. But suspenders and all. Yep. <laughs> it, it and is, the biceps. It is bulging your stereotypical out of the nerd. Yeah. It's really, really fun. Oh, he's got a watch too. I didn't notice that. And it's an old school digital watch. <laughs> and he's got he's got a got glasses that have been broken in the middle and they've got the little tape that's yeah. wrapped them back up. And the bum bag. Or the fanny, yeah. fanny pack as you guys would usually call it. Yep. It's really, really, really good. Oh, and I was wrong. This is the Rolling Bones faction. Okay, so that means I means I'm wrong about that. I gotta remember what the other one is called. I suppose it doesn't really matter. It's not Rolling Bones. Oh, I don't remember. Anyway, lots of really good stuff from TT Combat. Um, I think. My favourite is Grunt Orkle. Personally. I agree. It's just too much fun not to be. It is, yeah. Yep. Oh, I missed one. If you go back to the, the front page, yeah, there's a goat called Randy that I missed. I don't know how I missed that. I do remember seeing it. I don't know how you missed it either, but you missed the goat. Um, in the description of this on the website, it talks about how on sorry, on their Facebook page they talk about how not even Jason uh, could stop this guy because it's meant to be the Golden Fleece. But I'm just going to say, yep, I will give it my best because clearly they're talking about me, even though they're not. 
It is my namesake, uh, though. I was going to say, I thought it was both of us. Well, uh, true. But nobody knows that your name is Jason because you never mentioned it on, on the podcast. It's it's true. <laughs> You're right. They do now. The secret is out. The secret is out. All right. Let's move on to the food fight. That's supposed to stay in the kitchen. Oh, I know. But this is glorious, and I love everything about this. I don't remember where this got shared originally. But this got shared in one of the groups that I'm a part of. And then I saw this and I started sharing it around everywhere because this is just incredible. So this is quite literally a bunch of miniatures that is food fantasy nights. This is one of those things that makes no sense whatsoever, but in the best way. So our first one, which is the Blueberry Count, is a hard-boiled lolly, essentially, as a knight. We then have a chocolate cake blacksmith. We have a donut battle mage. A chocolate cake confalconer. This is meant to be, it's halfway between like a falconer and a confectionery thing. Yeah. Red Velvet Cake Templar. That this it just gets sillier and sillier. Jelly yes. Crossbowman. We've got French Fries Warlock, which might be my favourite. We've got the pizza Lassassino. Le Assassino. I think that's meant to be Italian for for the assassin. Uh, we've got a cheeseburger bannerman, hot dog necromancer, shrimp sushi samurai. I said sushi wrong. Uh, and the taco swordsman. So if you couldn't tell, there's there's two kind of factions. You had your sweet faction, which is all your cakes and desserts. Yep. And then you have your savory, which is all these these last few that Bruce has been naming off, which. I think they're hysterically fun to, to look at. I mean, just the way they've sculpted these into. I see this Mates. and I think of like skirmish games along the lines of Frostgrave and yeah. like just. Mordheim. Things that are miniatures agnostic and you can kind of do with whatever you want. Um, or you just make up rules to go with it, however. It is based on some art by somebody called Art Vida, and they do mention that. Uh, and the like, because it sounds like this this artwork has existed for quite some time. I kind of would love to see this get fleshed out more in future campaigns, with like full like full sized fleets of this sort of stuff, because I think you could have a lot of fun with this. I think I would prefer mm-hmm. that they stuck with the character miniatures and just added more over time with like maybe vegetables, like a vegetable faction, uh, yeah. and a fruit faction. and like Fruit just, faction. Yeah. I think you could have a lot of fun here. Um, like the hardest thing would be things like curries and stuff because I don't know how you could really do yeah that. bowls of soup or something like that yeah that'd be, well, that would be a little... well, i guess you stick with the samosas and stuff like that maybe 
because I've stuck with like actual hard food. Yeah. With like the loosest, the loosest one probably being the taco because realistically everything's going to fall out the moment he moves his head. But if you're buying these, you're not buying them because they make sense. You're buying them because they're stupid and you love them. Uh, honestly, they're not even that expensive. It's 25 euro. It's about $42 for me. I think that's about 30 bucks for you. Yeah, about 30. You would have postage on top of that, obviously, but... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. No, you won't, because this is STLs. Oh, um, yeah. So, like, it's just... This is just fantastic. I love everything about this. Um, And honestly, this is my story of the of the episode. I love this that much. There's definitely been some stuff in this episode that I really like, but things that are really weird, but in a good way, always seem to have a place for me. Like, nothing about this makes sense. And I love it. Because why would you not want a big donut battle match? I know, right? How could you not want that? Come on, Shay. You know you want it. (sighs) Last story is actually a continuation of something we covered quite some time ago. Uh, So, Tlaxtri Factory did a campaign quite some time ago, which is essentially like your dry undead. So, this is your equivalent of your tomb kings basically at the stage where that existed previously tomb kings was long since dead they've obviously recently been revived uh because of the old world uh and i doubt that this campaign happening now is a coincidence but i will say this they continue to make all of these things their own like everything about this feels unique i mean obviously Yes, you've got your Necropolis Guard, which just look like skeletons with shields and swords. Because, of course you do. You have your skeleton chariots, chariots, because, of course you do. And then you've got something sitting here called the Ark of Souls, which appears to be a metal pyramid with spirits coming out of it. Yeah. That's being ridden by some sort of sorcerer. It's just really, really pretty. But because you're doing things with 3D printing, it also means that you don't have to kind of like allow for what fits on a sprue and like you can kind of be yeah. a little bit more creative. They do also come with like base adapters so that they can fit into the old world because, well, of course they do. Um, and like movement trays and stuff as well. You can also purchase the original... So this is an expansion from a previous Kickstarter. So as part of this, you can purchase the original, uh, which is down here somewhere. But yeah, th- this stuff is really, really, really pretty. It's just gorgeous. I-, I like when a company will go out of their way to create their version of an idea. Now, Undead from the Desert is not a new idea by any means. It wasn't even a new idea when Games Workshop did it. This has existed in fantasy since the times where we first realised the pyramids had people in them. 
Yeah. Because the pyramids were built a very, very long time ago. Long time ago. Uh, to the point where uh, I'm blanking on what her name was. The queen that fell in love with Cleopatra. Cleopatra. They were ancient when she was around. Yeah. Like, it's scary how old they are. Which is also probably why all these questions about how they were built come up all the time. Because it was just yeah. such a long time ago. So yeah, I really like this stuff. Um, if you want to 3D build your own army for a fantasy game, whether it be Kings of War, whether it be Old World, like there's a lot of different options out there for you. This is another one. Uh, and this basically means that they've completed an army that they had started, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're one of the people that wants to try and make money, there's even a commercial license thing. So, that's it for the news. I think it's time to discuss an indie. Which is that one. Indie. Definition. Independent. Type. Slang word. Jargon. Alright, so this week we have King and Country. Yes. So, King and Country is on here because a friend of mine mentioned them recently. And I say recently, it was about three or four weeks ago. Um, one of, like, the guy that runs the toy reel that I'm part of um, doesn't really do miniatures. Like, he has quite a few of the Warhammer action figures. Um, and he was kind of like, that had never really been my thing. I used to be more into the King and Country. And I was like, oh, I don't know about those. I'm going to look them up. So these are miniatures, but these are more designed as your display piece miniatures. These are what... They're a lot more detailed, but these are what I think of when people talk about, oh, you mean the little tin soldiers? That's essentially what this brings up in my mind, at least, anyway. I think I'm going to start with the American Revolution. Or do you want to do American Civil War? Your pick sucks. Uh, let's do Civil War. Civil War. This way, if there's things that are wrong, you can have a, you, you can talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got General Vincent, who was 83rd Pennsylvania commander right before Gettysburg, which is awesome. It's, I mean, it's cool to see some of these. Cavalry and yeah, soldiers marching, and the details on these are pretty good. Yeah, I mean th these are larger figures, obviously, because well, you can see that they're larger. You don't get the sort of detail from a twenty-eight mil. No, I'm trying to remember what the scale is. They're one thirtieth, so they're around sixty mil tall. So yeah, they are I was gonna say. roughly twice the size of a miniature that you would normally see. So I'm just going to kind of browse through this, just so I quite like the look of this lying ready. I actually, I'm going to look at the lying prone firing one, just because it's really, really nice detail. Yeah. And I'm going to skip ahead into page three. So we've got a Texas cavalry flag bearer. 
General Lee is pretty awesome too. I already looked at that one. <laughs> I will have to. F- I'm guessing General Lee is on page two. No, page three. He was right next to the trumpeter. Oh. Ah, General Lee. Yep. So with Traveler's horse. The horses in particular are actually really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at a something that's around sixty mil, you can sculpt more into it. So I mean, of course they look nice, but still requires you to actually be able to sculpt things. Yeah, exactly. Now, we're looking at historical stuff here. So, obviously, yes, there's going to be some uncomfortable parts of this because that's what history is. Um, I want to look at ancient Egypt because we were just discussing undead stuff. So, (laughs) Okay, so the first thing I see, we're going into ancient Egypt, and the first thing I see are... Displays of the explorers, basically. Yeah, I was gonna say it's so, all the explorers that went into in Egypt and then early on, and yeah. <laughs> Which reminds me of one of my favorite jokes: Why are the pyramids in Egypt? Because they wouldn't fit in the in the historical museum. That's funny. Yeah. So I quite like this though. So. We're getting here with the with the modern day um, explorers, explorers, um, but at the same time, we are getting some of these historical figures as well. So we've got Queen Cleopatra for obvious reasons. <gasps> Excuse me. And the ancient antiquity dealers. We've got a mummy because, of course, we do. Because. Mummies Coming to Life is not a new fiction. It's a very old one. Talking about like the Egyptian curses and stuff was because it was literally written in the texts. Uh, Tutankhamun's monument is quite nice. Tutankhamun's mummy. They're going into a lot of different areas with this. There's actually sandstone block sets. Ethiopian bread carrier. Stonemasons, measures. Scaffolding platforms. They have Cleopatra and Mark Antony. Oh, they've got them separately as well. Because she was on the first yeah. page in the actual being carried around. Mark Antony looks in, looks good. Yeah. trying to think of the name of the actress that this is most likely based on anyway doesn't matter um what on earth is a club figure good question these just appear to be random people from history the universal fritz Aha, it's meant to be Charlie Chaplin. That's funny. <laughs> the Universal Tommy is also Charlie Chaplin. 
So these seem to be limited edition things that they've done at some point. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Apparently this one is being retired, so if you want this, you probably should be buying it now. Uh, Field Marshal Bill Slim. So I, I, there's obviously a reason why these particular miniatures exist. I just don't know what they are. Um, maybe they were sculpted for specific events or something. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to look at something that you don't see a lot of. So I'm tempted to say, let's have a look at the Singapore Armed Forces. Because I want to say, I don't think I've ever seen... There's only a couple of them. I was going to say, it's just a couple of Gurkhas. Yeah, but still, I've never really seen anybody doing this. Yeah. Which is, it's nice to see it being done. I have seen other examples of people, like, doing sculpts of the Chinese forces. And obviously we yeah. see, like, Japanese miniatures and that all the time. Uh, Life of Jesus is something we don't generally see a lot of. I imagine that this is probably just generic. Yeah, it's just generic sort of stuff, what you would expect. Jesus talking with some children, the sheep and the goats, the stable mates, the three wise men. So it, it is pretty much what you would expect it to be. But we do actually have just general stuff in here as well like we've got the shepherds and stuff but we've also got a crippled beggar the good samaritan i find it amusing how many people don't actually understand the relevance of the good samaritan but we're not going to talk about that now um yeah so they've got a, they've got a lot of really interesting stuff so again it's like slightly off 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 to the side it's not exactly miniatures that you that are designed to be played with i mean there's nothing to say that you couldn't play with these but you're going to struggle yeah. to find a rule set that's probably going to work as well um because with larger miniatures you find that you'll have a few problematic things with rules and so forth where they need to be adjusted probably movement distances and stuff and obviously it means that the forces can only be so large and yeah I just I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to discuss it. Let us discuss some hobby. Dream, blue, prime, paint. All right, Bruce, we're good. Yep, we're good. Sorry. All right, what folks. do you got this week? Um, I've been doing a couple of different things. I've I. I've ordered in some new rule books uh, because there's been a couple of different games that we've been talking about recently. Uh, I have been opening up some Burrows and Badgers minis. Nice. Which will be on the channel in a couple of weeks. Um, I do have more than just these two, but that's a, a Ranger. A Badger Ranger. So these are resin miniatures. These are their larger ones. Uh, I also have a couple of mice. I've got a rat. I have a cat, a rabbit, and something that I'm forgetting. 
but yeah, I bought like a decent sized force so I can build a, something out of it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm really, really, really happy with them. They look really, really nice. Um, I recorded the video for that Friday. Um, was it Friday? No, it was Thursday. So that's up actually up on our Patreon now. Uh, probably won't be released into the wild for a couple of weeks because uh, I'm kind of trying, I'm filming a few things in advance. Um, I have been reading through the rules for that. I've also been reading through the rules for a game called Majestic 13, which is, and I've been buying a few miniature agnostic things. So I talked last time about how I had a game of The Doomed, which is another miniature agnostic thing. Uh, Majestic 13 is like secret government organizations trying to defend Earth from aliens. Uh, and there's these 13 different secret organizations. I mean, I say secret government. The, like the, the men in black stereotype is certainly there. Um, but you have like secret army forces that are that are there and like yeah. secret privately owned companies that are doing it. And like, it, It's all of your usual cliche stereotype um, tin hat foil wearing... Um, conspiracy theory type stories and it's just made into fun like the actual like the story starts off along the lines of they say that in 1940 whatever the year that roswell was supposed to have happened that it crashed and then they 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 hid the story and and but then others say that it was all hidden and hide, hidden by the government and da 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 but both stories are false and then it goes into its own kind of story like about how the cover-up is basically being well the story of the cover-up is used to hide the truth which is like a different cover-up entirely and so like the conspiracy theory is also a cover-up which is just a really fun idea yeah. um and it's, it's one of those things where like you can kind of do whatever you want with it like you, you bring on your own alien forces which are whatever you want them to be I kind of want to use my Mars Attack stuff because it's an excuse to use my Mars Attack stuff. Um, and I kind of like, th there's there's a faction which is the Greys working with Earth uh, to stop them, uh, sorry, to stop this third party alien force from kind of destroying Earth like it did their own planet. And, and I, I really like the idea of having like a Men in Black type thing, which is... yeah. It's just a lot of fun. I've kind of just been reading through it at this stage. Um, I did up a new list for the Doomed, which is like robots in my new one. So I've done it. I haven't actually tested it on the table yet. I haven't actually had a game this week. Uh, last week I did play a game of the Doomed. So what did I play the week before that? Because that means I wasn't discussing the Doomed last time. Oh, well, I was playing Mars, Co Mars Code Aurora last time. That's what it was. And I won. Nice. I also won. You won the again. Doomed. I won the Doomed <laughs> as well. It was great. I only just won. And I won, I won by technicality. I won technically. Which means that it's the best type of victory you can have. True. Just like how technically being right is the best kind of right. Yes. According to Futurama. Um, so, yeah, that's I've kind of been... I, most of my attention has been going into Entropy City, which shouldn't really yep. be surprising anybody at this stage. No. Um, I've been doing a bit of hobby on the table that I've been building. 
um, which kind of got put to the side for a while because I was getting frustrated. I pulled that back out this week and realised that I still don't have enough cork, so I've ordered more cork. I thought I bought enough, and I, I, I'm short, like, another four sheets. So, yeah. But I'm really, really... I've been kind of... I've been gluing it down and then roughing it, like... Because it doesn't necessarily fit perfectly, there's bits where you have to, like, connect two pieces together. So I've been roughing that up so it looks like it's a break in the in the concrete and, and the asphalt and all of that sort of stuff. I haven't painted any of it yet. Uh, my intention is that I want to do all of the hobby side of it first and then paint everything all at once so that everything fits together because everything's been done the same, essentially. Make sure your color swatches match. You're not... Yeah. I mean, I, I have like... Next to each other. I have a grit, which will be for the cement. Um, and I, I have a grit that will be for the asphalt. Um, but the weathering of them is like the bit where I want them to look, look like they... Yeah, absolutely. Together. So there's been a lot of work going into that. Uh, I completely redid my tokens for Entropy City. Um, yeah, I saw those. They look nice. I, I'm really happy with how that turned out, actually. Um, I've gotten rid of the resin drops, which do work and they're wonderful. Um, but they have issues like they stick together and stuff, which is fine. It just irritates me. Uh, yeah. But I also I wanted to do some double-sided tokens as well, um, which... So I've done it so that my stop has one on the other side, which is for speed one. And then speed two and speed three are on opposite sides. So I can kind of like just flip it over and then go to the next one, flip it over just to make, like, it makes sense to kind of do that from a gameplay perspective. Stat keeping, yeah. Um, Like if I was to create it as a product, which I would like to one day, that's probably how I would design it on the token sheet because it would mean that I'd, not have to print as many tokens it would make it easier for people to find their way through them um so in my head that kind of just made a lot of sense and yep. i just used the I, I just organized i got coin capsules and that's what they're inside it's just the capsules the people that collect coins put their coins in um and i got ones where it held a an inch token and mm-hmm. i just kind of pressed them in nice and gently and put the other side in and pressed it in nice and gently and it works really nicely because they're thicker they're also easier to pick up as that as well yeah because the old ones were like i, I did use Paper. slightly thicker card but still it's and, and it's still like the the resin bubble on top helps a little bit but it's still like the flat and it be, just becomes like the thing you got to get your finger <gasps> Ooh, excuse me finger underneath uh, I mean, in theory, I could have gotten around that by like putting the resin drop on both sides, I guess. But that it would work out very and a very expensive way of doing it. Yeah, um, I got like a hundred of these for twenty bucks. So like, dirt cheap. not bad. You can get them even cheaper over there if you really wanted to. Um, people use these for like just a very simple upgrade of basic tokens all the time. So. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they work really well, honestly. And the, plus, they came in a case, which I can now use to carry my tokens around. It's great. Yeah. I have way more than I will probably ever need. But that's all right. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, ha- I have done a bit of hobby. Not a lot, but I have done a bit of hobby. Um, Kind of been a little bit up and down, just because life. Just 
happens. Uh, I know you said that you haven't had much of a chance to get stuff done. You said you have been building stuff. I have. I, so, yeah, the last couple of weeks, I was telling Bruce before we recorded, my sons, two of my sons are, have been in American flag football uh, with their homeschool group. And so the last month has been two or three games a week with practices, trying to help round them up, take them to stuff, whatever, wherever. Uh, but I have been putting together some of my Spanish ships that I got from uh, Black Seas. So here's my Montanez third-rate frigate or third-rate ship. Nice. And then my Argonauta third-rate as well. And then I've got my Santa Ana first-rate. Nice. So those are all built up and if you haven't noticed uh yeah i'm wearing a much different polo than i normally wear uh this is my warhouse shirt uh because i did a demo day at the local store didn't get any uh players to show up for to demo out war uh dystopian wars but one of my local players showed up and so we were playing around today so nice uh but i'm hoping to this these next couple of months are going to get even busier as we get ready to move yeah. um I'm going to be packing up a lot of my stuff because we're going to want to take pictures of our house so we can sell it. So a lot of my clutterness is going to get packed away um, until after we settle on, settle in our next house here in a few uh, end of June, is this in July. A, by the I time we get our stuff, air, I thought this was an air house, uh, an air force house. No, this is my house. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, we bought this house. Oh, well, yeah. There you go. Yeah, we bought it, so we're going to sell it. We can probably get a good chunk of money for it and pay off all my college debt that I still have, so we're we're going to sell it. So, Yep. Nice. But we're going to start getting ready for selling, too. So <laughs> stuff is going to have to get packed away until, until after we move. So that's that's the fun and joys of being in the military and having to move every few years. So. Yeah. It is a thing. It is a thing. I'm glad I don't have to do that. Yeah. Oh, well, so. let us move into this. Talk nerdy to me. There was a chat that I saw come up towards the beginning of this week from, ironically, Games Workshop started this conversation. Um, and they started in a way that almost deliberately caused an argument. <laughs> Which is not actually that they were trying to stimulate conversation. Um, and I'm being slightly facetious on the deliberately causing an argument remark. Uh, but basically, th they brought up an argument of, so, do you drill your barrels or do you not drill your barrels? Uh, because, well, not everybody does. And I kind of like, I looked at that and I'm like, mm, it's not how I would have asked that question. Um. Yeah, yeah. It, it was just slightly problematic with the way that they had dealt with dealt it. Sorry, I'm yeah moving your camera around a little bit. All right. Um. Anyway, it just kind of like it came up to like I, I will give my actual remark to that particular story a little bit later. But I kind of wanted to raise it because I was sitting there and I was thinking, hmm, this is a good point of discussion because 
it actually raises the point of see there's there's a few things that we get now sometimes with stories like this where it's very much you are of this opinion or you are of this opinion and you're not allowed to be in the middle um, yeah and these sort of conversations used to happen a lot but it was kind of one of those things of it like it slowly dies down when people kind of realize that it's it's a bit of a dumb conversation honestly um but it is it's a really stupid conversation if you want to drill your barrels you can drill your barrels if you don't want to drill your barrels it's fine it's not actually a problem do your miniatures look better if you do it yes yes they do but most of the time you're playing with your miniatures from a giant distance away and doesn't really matter some people don't have time for that sort of thing and they don't have to have time for that sort of thing it's just it is what it is right yeah um but there's a f- there's a few things like this. Like it's with the contrast paints and speed paints, you will occasionally see a similar sort of discussion happen about whether it's cheating or not, or any video on YouTube that dares mention or glance at an airbrush for three seconds will be flooded with comments about how this is crap and how it's not fair because I don't own an airbrush. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to create this with, without the create this in a way that I know I can do it because I yeah. don't know how to airbrush. Which is just, it's the wrong conversation. Um, most people actually tend to ignore those convers- ignore those comments now, um, yep. because it's just honestly, it's people trolling. Uh, ironically, I don't think most of them realize that's what they're doing. A lot of these people are trying genuine, like genuinely think that they are being helpful and genuinely, but they're not. It's just, it's just a really dumb conversation piece. The when the hobby was much younger, this is turning into a rant. It wasn't supposed to be a rant. Um, <laughs> when the hobby was much younger, gatekeeping was a very big problem in this hobby. The internet helped solve that problem because you can genuinely go on the internet now and if you don't know what dry brushing is, you can find a video not just telling you what dry brushing is, but about seven different ways of how to do it. Yeah. Back in the day, if you didn't know how to dry brush, somebody would look at you down down their glasses and go, well, you'll have to find out and you'll have to learn. And it would be an example of somebody just trying to be better than you. Um, that sort of stuff generally doesn't happen anymore. Dry brushing is also probably the worst example for this argument. Um, but there seems to be a resurgence of this sort of stuff starting to happen again. Um, now, in the case of like drilling barrels and not drilling barrels, I actually understand. I am standing here and I'm saying it's a stupid argument. It's a stupid argument to have at all but i understand where it comes from because for those people that take the time to drill their barrels if you're not doing it they see that as laziness um 
for a lot of people, it's probably a matter of time or just not caring. Not everybody cares that much. Some people just want to get something paid and put on the table, and that's okay. Yep. Especially if it's somebody that, you know, has a busy lifestyle. Um, can you think of other examples of this sort of stuff happening? I mean, I used to, I used probably some very common ones at the moment. Like the contrast slash speed paint argument is definitely a big one. The airbrush yeah. one is definitely a big one now. Um, it kind of happens with Games Workshop versus everybody else a little bit. Uh, but I would say that's not the same conversation because that's just people not knowing about other products and thinking that other people are trying to copy when they're not. Yeah, I would even go to say that the the, the amount of paint colors you use, you know, some yeah. some people just use minimum three colors, yeah, whereas true. some people... Some people that's go all, that's all out. Required from a games workshop perspective, yep. Yeah. Whereas others, they, I mean, especially as you get into the historic, more of the historical stuff, um, you, you'll, you kind of want to see more colors on the table, especially for like uniforms and stuff like that, especially from Napoleonics or uh, even Civil War. Um, Civil War, I'm, when I'm, eventually I'll be doing my uh, Civil War stuff. And I want to paint them in the, in the early war days of where the Confederacy didn't really have their standard gray uniforms that they had at the end of the war. And so I'm going to have a hodgepodge of trousers and, and overcoats and stuff like that, just because it was just whatever the guys wore on their backs as they enlisted into the war. So uh, Shay brought up uh, basing even. Mm-hmm. What type of basing materials are you going to use? Are you going to use flocking or are you going to use the little stone looking stuff i mean well hell um back in the early 90s it was literally sand on the bottom of your base and then you painted it green and then dry brushed it yellow that was literally the height of basing back in the 90s yeah and yes i know that this is 20 years ago but it's not that long ago really um some for some like basing yes basing is a really good one because some people spend maybe more time on their basing than they do on the army, in the case of speed yeah. painting. I mean, depending on how they do it, if it's just a texture paint, maybe that's all they needed to do. But yep. if it's if it's texture paint and then they're flocking over the top of it and then they're, they're adding stones in afterwards, uh, maybe there was some green stuff involved in like doing a texture underneath before they used the texture around it like maybe they wanted stonework or cobblestones or like there's you could go nuts there are some people and i don't understand how people have time for this that create basing on the base so that if you put all the bases next to each other it all becomes one giant one big giant diorama yeah it's insane i have a lot of respect for people like that but I would like to think that the people that go to that sort of length won't turn around and judge the person that spent five minutes on their basing because they just want to play a game. Quickly paint, maybe do uh, some dry brush, a little bit of flocking, mm. like a fur bush or something. That's it. That's probably what I'm going to be doing with my uh, black powder stuff. 
because <laughs> I I vary up my basing quite far. I have a ton of miniatures that have never been based as well, uh, which yeah. is I will be the first person to say that that is a bad thing. Uh, but depending on what the game is, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like if it's just something that's quickly for the tabletop, it's not meant to be judged. Then does it really matter? Is it just a board game or something? I yeah. would argue that yes, everything. If you're going to go to the length of painting it, then it should have a proper basing and that on it as well. Otherwise, why did you bother painting it to begin with? Um, but basing is a really, really good example. Like I said, my, my basing varies so wildly depending on. Basing is probably the thing that I enjoy least in the hobby. Um, and so sometimes it will be like my scaven. I'm really, really happy with my scaven. There's a bit of stonework on it with some texture around that stonework, and it wasn't overly difficult, but it looks really nice. Yeah. Um. Whereas, I mean, if you wanted to create like a jungle base type thing, it's a lot more work involved in that. Um, I struggle with flocking because I don't have one of these machines that make your flock stand up properly. Um, and I know I need to get one, but I just never have. I, I also don't really have the room to, because I, I like it, it. Still goes everywhere, and I don't really have a space to do it properly. Um, but that's that is a problem that I need to solve at some point. But yeah, base basing is a really really good one. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I've seen the judgment in people's eyes during a basing conversation like I have in pretty much everything else in this hobby. Um, and like, it wasn't that long ago that this like we have spoken about gatekeeping being a thing of the past on this podcast. Yeah. And it slowly seems to be coming back, but ironically, it seems to be with the next generation, not our generation that already lived through that and uh but it's weird maybe i'm just an old man and i'm being grumpy but i don't know i, I thought that we were kind of beyond this at this point and i'm yeah, starting I so to too. see it come back again um when i was talking about the initial story i said that i would give my the answer that i gave um and my answer was not word for word, but it was something along the lines of, in some of my miniatures, I drill the, drill the holes. In some of the miniatures, I don't. I don't really care what other people do. But I have a big problem with those that want to judge other people on their own decision. Yeah. Uh, other people, if they want to do their... If they want to drill their bases, they can. If they don't want to drill their... Uh, not basis. If they want to draw their barrels, they can. If they don't want to draw their ba barrels, they don't have to. It's not your decision. It's their miniature. It's not like they're turning up to a tournament. Like this is me just continuing on. That that was basically my comment. But if somebody's turning up for a competition, and as part of that competition, there is going to be painting judgment, then I would expect that yes, the drills that the, the the barrel should be drilled, because it's going to be judged. Yeah. But if you're just turning up for a casual game with friends, who really cares? Um, 
And I mean, when it comes down to a beginner on Facebook sharing the first mini they've ever painted, and you have 10 people where the only thing they comment is drill your barrels. At that point, yep. the only thing you're doing is stopping people being interested in our hobby. Yep. We're supposed to want more people, not less. I don't know. That That's my rant over and done with. It wasn't really supposed to be a rant conversation, but... I don't know. Turned into one. <laughs> I just I just don't get why everything has to go in that direction all the time. I find it really frustrating. But yeah. So yeah, that's it. Let us discuss... Tournaments, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. All right, so a bunch of upcoming events we have coming up. Uh, we've got Melbourne Figure Painters Collective. Yep. They're meeting each uh, the Sunday of each month. The next one is on the 25th. The last Sunday uh, of each month. Sorry, the last Sunday of each yeah. month. My uh, apologies. Their location has changed. They are now going to be meeting at the Gaming Arena, which is on Baker's Road in Coburg North from 12 till 5. I'm going to try and get there next week i don't know if i can but i am going to try and get there next week um there is an instagram that we've linked in the show notes it's m for mary f uh f for fred p for peter dot collective so if you follow them on instagram you will get all of their updates um weapons free tournament is coming coming up so this is weapons free number two uh, it's a Drop Fleet Commander tournament happening on the 3rd of March in Firestorm Games in Cardiff. Um, so this is becoming a monthly thing at this stage by the look of it. Yeah. What else is coming up this month? That month? Uh, a, a big convention called the Depticon. Yay! It's a Depticon! I get to yep. be jealous about everybody that's going to Depticon and when I can't. Boom. I'm not going. Uh, 22nd to the 26th. Uh, I actually linked a couple of things here. I did link, obviously, the Adepticon um, itself. I've also kind of mentioned when a couple of the tournaments are happening. So the Bushido Masters is happening on the 22nd. There is a Drop Zone tournament happening on the same day, but there's a Drop Fleet tournament happening on the 23rd. Um, so if you are a Drop Universe player and you want to start encouraging the game in your area i would be pushing this um because you want people turning up to this sort of stuff it's only going to encourage more people to get into it uh, there's also a wild west exodus tournament happening on the 22nd and wild west exodus is awesome and everybody should play it yeah war cradle studios will actually be there uh they're now they're the, the conventions are coming back COVID's dying down um and their staff is is able to go out to conventions now a little bit easy more. Mm. So I know they're planning on going out there. They've already asked some more hosts to be out there. I am fortunately will be at a logistics officer conference the following week uh, at, at, when the Adepticon wraps up. So I will not be able to go this year, but yeah. uh, I hope I to look, in a couple of years. not a dystopian was. There's, there's not. Um, mostly uh, demos that they're going to be putting on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ArcFest yep. is coming up in April. That's on the 27th and 28th. That's at the Sandown Race Course. I was actually talking to one of the organisers last week, 
uh, about this. Uh, there's not really an observer type pass thing available. However, they are still looking for volunteers. So if you're someone that wanted to go along and just kind of see how things were going, um, the word was, we would love you very much. Um, so if you kind of wanted to go and just be an observer, that may actually be the way to do it. Um, it just like it means that you're helping set up, it means that you're helping pack up, but it also means it's not actually costing you anything. So just something to keep in mind. Um, Nunawading War Games Association Saga Tournament is happening on the 19th of May. That's at the Blackburn RSL from 9 till 5. And Third Palooza. I mentioned this, I'm going to continue mentioning this, even though it's already sold out. This is a Warhammer 3rd Edition tournament, which for some people is something that they have wanted to see for an, a lifetime. Some people really, really do love these old versions of the games, or the side projects that came out of these games, like your Mordheims, your Orkamorkas, and so on and so forth. If you want to see more people playing this sort of stuff and being encouraged to play this sort of stuff, and maybe tournaments like this, if you support them, and get people excited about them, is likely going to start encouraging so, more of them. Yep. So, get the word out. Uh, 22nd of June till the 23rd of June. And that is at the Esplanade North Shore, Victoria. Thank you to Valhalla Hobby for sponsoring. Um, Valhalla Hobby are a local gaming store out at Verona, Wisconsin. Uh, they have a huge range of stuff available. They have a real passion for the indie side of the business. They still have your Warhammers and your Dungeons and Dragons and your Magic the Gatherings, but they also have Bushido, TT Combat, Black Sight Studios. War Cradle um, Studios. War Cradle Studios, like... All of the stuff that we've been discussing are things that they actually do have in store. We have a real passion for the indie side of the business because we actually believe that there's some more interesting things to see there. It's just not what most people get into. But if you're looking for more people to play the smaller stuff, this is a really good place to be. Plus, their prices are phenomenal. Yep. And on top of that... If you use the code TABLED at checkout on your first order over $100, you'll get 5% off. So, means that you can support. It shows them that you come from us. Uh, we get nothing out of that. There is no kickback. Uh, it's just a way to show them that that's where you came from. Uh, and support the people that support us. It would be greatly appreciated. Especially if you're in the US. Where can people pine as socks? All over the place. So we have our Patreon at patreon.com slash getting tabled. Uh, $2 a month. Is it now still? Yes, $2 a month. So if you want to be a Patreon $2 a month, we would appreciate it very much if you if you do. Uh, our website is... to everything, every video content that we do, including the video yep. version of the podcast. Correct. Uh, our website is gettingtabled.com. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, which is the, probably the most active uh, social media that we have, is at uh, facebook.com slash getting tabled, and then youtube.com slash getting tabled. Uh, please subscribe uh, to our channel as well. And then getting our email uh, for any questions is getting tabled uh, at gmail.com. 
And then we have a Discord as well. There's an invite in the description as well. Uh, and on there in the Discord, we have game-specific chats for various different games that we play, Entropy City as well. And so... Uh, the Entropy City channel is exclusive to the Patreon. Correct. So if you want to learn more about that, become a patron, and, and we'll add you to that. Um, and then at uh, X uh, is that getting tabled, and in- Instagram is that getting tabled. And then Bruce does his Twitch at twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce, and then his toy reel is youtube.com slash toy reel. Thank you very much, Socks. Yep. I'm not going to thank George because he didn't show up. He's off. He's not here. Doing things. He smells funny anyway. Thank you for thank you for listening. Support the people that support us. Subscribe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org. You socks. You're welcome. Very much so. Good time. Having that, hopefully, will make editing a little easier. Yeah. When George does it, I actually have to edit out his version and insert my own. And I've never really told him this. <laughs> because on That's my funny. recording side, it comes off it comes off quiet. I have a feeling that this is going to be the the opposite problem. But that's easy to fix. I can just turn down the volume on those specific points. Yeah. Cool. I am going to get lunch, and then yep. I am going to do other things. I'm going to head out myself, so I will catch you later. Yep. See ya. See ya.